1: Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening, mostly gardening. That's what we do. Uh, I've been doing this program since 1983. I've been doing radio since 1983. Java, you weren't born in 1983.
2: I know you didn't want to hear, but I was born in 1984. <laughs> okay, okay. I've
1: been doing radio programs since but you were just a gleam in your daddy's eyes. I don't even
2: know if I was there yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but and it's it's it's, it's about gardening, garden related stuff. So if you've got some things on your mind, it's a toll free uh, call. It's live one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, I got plenty of stuff we can talk about this this past week. Um, I've been watering a little bit more than I really wanted to because uh, being here this summer. I found out if you're going to plant stuff in the spring that needs to be watered, you got to be prepared to water it. So uh, I, I got all the kinks out of my hose and dragged it out and – Uh, patched up some of the leaves with some duct tape and uh, gave things some good soaking. Got some tomatoes and peppers, got basil and oregano. Uh, Got a little bit of corn about ready to do, a little corn patch, and uh, squash plants finally died, but I roasted some of that last week. So, anyway, vegetables, but also flowers. I've got a lot of different kind of flowers, mostly heirloom things that come back year after year after year with no care at all. A lot of them are heirloom, a lot of them are old-fashioned. Some of them are interesting cultivars, interesting new varieties of old standard plants plants, but they still count, and um, I use them in some surprising ways we can talk about. Uh, But anyway, this time of year, it's time to stop planting summer stuff, no more tomatoes and peppers and stuff, no more basil, no more zinnias, time to plant winter stuff Think about pansies and violas. Think about broccoli and cabbages. Think about kale as an ornamental plant in a pot. So this time of year, start planting stuff that loves wintertime, and that's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. But enough about me. It's a call-in program. Let's start out right off the bat. Let's talk with John. And uh, John, I can't tell where you're calling from. Where you calling from, man?
3: <laughs>
4: Jackson. Jackson. Not okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's going on?
4: Uh, I've got some great myrtles. They're about twenty feet tall, and they're on top of a slope. In the backyard. Uh And we have to crane our necks to look back. So we have to, it's enjoy the blossom. So we're going to have to cut it back. And I want to know is it possible for me to cut these things back and make it look natural? Was that like a pollarding, the whole thing? Yeah,
1: well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with pollarding. That's an ancient art form that's been done for many centuries in Japan and Europe. Pollarding is, old, is horticulturally accepted, sort of like pruning boxwoods into a ball. Plant doesn't care. Uh, but if you don't like that, look, what you can do is you can actually cut them. How, how many of these do you have again?
4: About seven or or seven, like
1: that. Well, what you can do is uh, you don't have to do this all at once. You can. They bloom on new growth. So if you were to cut them to the ground, they'll sprout out with long, limber, willowy uh, branches that will bloom the same season. You shouldn't do it now. Uh, let's wait until wintertime or spring. You can prune them up until middle of the summer or so when the new growth has time to come out. But you can cut them... Just about to the ground, and they sprout out just beautiful, long, willowy blooming stems. You might want to ma- maybe do some of them this year and then some of them next year, so you know sort of alternate them. But uh, wherever you make a cut, whether it's uh, close to the ground or knee high or waist high or head high, the new growth comes out right there. So if you want to not cut it to the ground, leave a kind of a natural shape, cut the, the uh, trunks of them at different heights one down close, one, you know, maybe knee high, one chest high. And okay. that way they'll branch out in a kind of layered effect. But that's okay. be- best done in the wintertime or the spring or early summer.
4: Okay, so if I do it now, they're going to branch out and they'll be too tender. Yeah, that's
1: right. It takes uh, a month, month and a half or so for the new growth to bust out of old, you know, because the buds come from, you know, pretty down deep. And uh, by the time they come out, they won't have time to toughen up before winter.
4: Okay. So if I do them in the wintertime, I'll get some blossoms, but it'll be better the following year.
1: Uh, No, I mean, no, you you can prune them this winter and the new growth that comes out next spring will bloom. I mean, they okay. bloom on, on brand new growth. I've seen people do this over and over, where they just cut them to the ground every winter. Long, willowy branches. They treat them sort of like a you know big daylily type thing.
4: Okay, good. great.
1: All righty, appreciate it, right. man. Thank you. Bye. Uh, I forgot to tell him it's too hot and humid to be doing stuff like that right now anyway. Hey, let's slide over to Neshova County to Philadelphia. Hey, Charles, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. So far, so good. I'm eating a fig. I gave J- Java tried one. Java's not a big fig eater, but i got this, this heirloom variety of fig called Kazeri. They're golden yellow. They're smooth. They're not that hairy like the other ones, and they don't make seeds, but they're like eating honey. I love yeah, they're they're sticky. He said, "They taste sticky." I said, yeah, they've got milky sap. But anyway, uh, he doesn't like them that much. I'm thinking more for me. What's what's up with you this morning?
2: I need to know what kind of fertilizer to use on centipede. In the long on the lawn.
1: I would, <laughs> even though it seemed like it's a little expensive because the bags are expensive. I would go with the stuff that's called centipede food.
2: Uh, centipede food. Yeah, and
1: the re- the reason for that is the first and third numbers are the same. Zero middle number. And that's the, the way Centipede and St. Augustine, that's the nutrient ratio they like. But the trick is you can make the bags go further than they say they'll go. It doesn't look like enough to begin with, but you can make them go um, t- twice as far as you want to.
2: And when is the best time to put the fertilizer on
1: Best time is after the grass is greened up in the spring and been mowed a couple of times because it sort of kick-starts, it jump a new root system first thing uh, in the spring. So after it's been mowed a time or two, so we're looking at sometime in May, late April or May, and then really no fertilizer passed around the 1st of September because we need time for the fertilizer to be used up and then uh, gone before winter time. Otherwise, you keep your grass too tender going into winter. So I'm going to say uh, late April, 1st of May, up until late August or so okay and if you just do that every a couple of three years that the, these fertilizers recycle in the grass clippings
4: okay all right good thanks a lot
1: all right appreciate it
4: mm-hmm.
1: okay uh before we take this next call there's a guy i want to talk to because he's sort of like a hero right now and i know some of you think we're gonna, we're gonna keep this about gardening we got a guy named rocky vaughn on the line you hear rocky how are you doing? I'm fine hey I, lo- I when I called you yesterday, your answer machine is something like, "What's up, man? Leave a message
4: <laughs> I mean
1: you you know you're from Ackerman, is that just the way country folks talk to each other
4: Well, I, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the way I talk so.
1: Well, listen, one of the, the reasons I want to talk to you, because uh, this past week I've been going to these, a lot of people don't want me to talk about the flag because it's not gardening, but it is gardening. I've been promoting the Mississippi flower on the Mississippi State for 25 years, and you have too. And this past week, your design made the final selection to be voted on as Mississippi State flag, the Magnolia flag. How you feel about that, man? I'm
4: feeling good. It's an honor to be part of such an historic event, you know?
1: You've been working on this a long time though, because you know i th- I, th- I think one of the interviews I read you just said you're tired of people bickering let's let's come up with something that that people like
4: that's correct um it started uh seven years ago. I was watching the news as I was in the hospital with my wife having given birth to my second born and and something i I took my sketchbook uh to pass the time yeah you're and, a graphic- uh,
1: you're a graphic designer, right yes, sir, Got gotcha.
4: So I was just sketching around, and some came on the news, and uh, it was about the flag, and I was like, "This does not have to be an issue all the time, you know." We, we there's other ways to represent our flag. So, so I just started doodling, and the first thing to, that I thought of about the Magnolia State was uh, the Magnolia.
1: Yeah, and and your, your, the the flag that, that that ended up getting voted, they didn't use your magnolia. It was stylized, really cool, but it was stylized. It you know it you know it, it looked like a magnolia, but it was more pointed. You know, like a graphic designer would do
4: it. <laughs> yeah, true. That's that's one of probably hundreds of Magnolia that I've tried to do throughout the years uh, as an artist. I'm my own worst critic, and I could never get the the perfect one, and I always kept on trying. But um, I think they did a really good job of um, of uh, kind of simplifying the, uh, the complexity of the Magnolia, because no pedal is the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of your interviews, you said uh, it, it represents warmth and the strength of the good people in Mississippi. Uh, time to show that we're the Magnolia State. And uh, Anyway, um, does anybody in Ackerman know about this yet? Because you, you work in Starbucks. You go home, just go home. You're home. You don't go around. So what are people saying to you?
4: Oh, they they couldn't be more proud, I don't believe. Um, I've, I've received such love and support throughout the community, and um, and not even people that I know, but people throughout the whole state. Um, I mean, uh, you were talking about gardening a while ago. Um, I was wanting to do something that was so pretty that any little old lady would like to put it in their garden as a garden flag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and I gotta tell you, and one of the things I gotta brag on a little bit, you also rescue dogs.
4: Well, yes, sir, my boss, uh, Rick Welch, um, heads up the Humane Society and uh and he does that. So I'm 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 all around it all the time. Um So uh, I I don't work in the in that department. But uh, my boss surely
1: does. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you done good, boy. You done good. And mm-hmm. and matter of fact, you can't see it right now, but I went out while they were about to vote on this. I saw it was going to go. I slipped out in the hall and I called in. I ordered the first flag that that you designed, and I also have one on my T-shirt. I'm the first one to fly this thing, and uh, and I owe it to you. We all owe it to you, man. I appreciate your persistence because you 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 submitted several designs.
4: Oh yeah, I've been at it uh, for seven years. So uh, yeah, I've yeah. Got, i got—I thought I had about a hundred. That was my guess, but I think I've got over three hundred, and I don't even know how many I've got renditions
1: i've got throughout the years That's well well the, the, one of them was a winner i appreciate it man and i just want to call and yeah, say sir. thanks i I love your design I love the colors you know it's not everybody's cup of tea but you know some people are ole miss fans or lsu fans you know what i'm saying and you, you know <laughs> hey, you're, I, you're, you're, I battled, you're a, you know hail battled, state right
4: <laughs> i battled that myself <laughs> but, well, I, you know. well
1: listen rocky i appreciate it man i know you're busy <laughs> you hug your kids are growing up way too fast and congratulations
4: Thank you so much, Rusty, for having me
1: on today. Okay, see ya. Th- that, folks, that was Rocky Vaughn from Ackerman. And uh, he's the guy who came up with the final design for what's been selected to be voted on Mississippi's Nest flag. And I just wanted to do that. Even as a gardening program, I've been pushing the magnolia flower as the magnolia state's symbol for a long time. So that's my connection with the garden there. I'm so pleased to have our state flower, one of the oldest. Plants on earth, native to Mississippi, uh, on our next flag. So, anyway, that was uh, that was Rocky Vaughn. Um, let's get back to gardening real quick. We can slide over to Agricola. Barbara, thank you for holding. I really appreciate it. How are you?
5: I'm great this morning. Good. And I would just like to add my comment about the flag. Mm-hmm. I think it is wonderful to have selected the uh, magnolia for our flag. I wondered why we didn't have the uh, magnolia on our flag already since we were
1: the magnolia state. Well, you know, we've been called the magnolia state for uh, close to a century now, but we had that flag a lot longer. But anyway, you know, the the, the Louisiana Pelican State, South Carolina is the Palmetto State, Texas Lone Star State, we're the magnolia state. But anyway, what can I help you with in your garden? Well,
5: I don't have a garden question. I have a tree question.
1: That count, um, that count, I, that count. No, no, no. Trees are garden. Trees count. They count.
5: Okay. I figured this one would. But I planted this tree about five years ago.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And the other day I was uh, riding around and looked up at the top of this tree. It's about 10 feet tall now. And uh, it's like a, a bouquet in the top of the tree. Yeah. I thought it was a pecan tree when I planted it, but um, I've never seen one like that
1: before. What time of year does it bloom? It's blooming now. Are the flowers white with maybe little pink things around it? Uh, They are sort of a
5: peach color, and they're very similar to a bougainvillea.
1: Okay. The
5: shape of Uh, the the
1: flower. Was it yellow earlier? You just didn't notice?
5: I just didn't notice it until the other day. I was, you know, way off from it, and I looked up at it.
1: And
5: actually, I thought it was... turning brown you
1: know uh, yep. it was dying but it's not it's beautiful there there's a tree and I, I i can't remember the. it's one of two plants the so one the first one that comes to my mind is called western soapberry s-o-a-p western soapberry uh but it might be another one's on the tip of my tongue i can't remember but there's there, there's two plants that bloom trees that look sort of like but one of them has a uh, long string of yellow flower and then the seed pods look like pinkish bougainvillea. This the the little bracts are you know a bougainvillea. The little flowers are inside those red pink things. Well, th- this tree has those same. They're called calyxes, and they and they're pink, they're pink colored. Right. Well,
5: now these do not have the little flowers. You know, like the well, no, no, no.
1: It, it, it would sort of it, up. It, it would have been a, it would have been a month ago, and then when the flower drop, oh. it starts making seeds, and they are surrounded by these little pinkish little clusters of what look like pinkish bougainvilles. Oh, okay. But okay. if if there's any way you could get somebody to take a picture, you know, uh, a pretty close-up picture, of one of them, I can sure identify it that way.
5: Okay, I had I made several pictures last so
1: night. Shoot, shoot, three, shoot three, one to you, you know, three, find three. find one that's okay. pretty clear and shoot it to me. Okay, and we'll we'll have. find out what it is. But I'm I'm guessing western soapberry. Could western be wrong. Soapberry. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, I appreciate your call, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you and you have a great day. Thank you so much. Uh Java, when you wanna do this you wanna do this um
2: no yeah, let's let's do it now. We can go ahead and we can go okay, ahead and do this, it now.
1: This is a speech given by a fellow who started law school at Ole Miss in 1966. He said he was, you know, a long time coming. A guy named Reuben Anderson, retired Supreme Court judge, uh, lawyer, and uh, he made some comments at the very end. He was the the head of the Mississippi Flag com- uh, Commission. We're going to take a little break. Listen to that a little news. Come back with your phone calls right after this.
0: I grew up in Mississippi in the 40s and 50s, and all of my life in Mississippi has been at the bottom. In whatever category you can think of—whether income, healthcare, education—we've always been on the bottom. On November 3rd, I think that will take a change. Uh, We won't move to the top, but I can assure you we will move. And how in the world is it that Mississippi could be on the bottom with all of the tremendous assets and resources that we have? We have the greatest people, the most talented and gifted people, the greatest poets and authors, musicians. We're the birthplace of America's music. We have the most fertile soil. Anything will grow in Mississippi. We have timber and oil and gas the Mississippi River and 90 miles of beaches. There's no reason for us to be on the bottom. We'll be on the bottom all of my lifetime, but my children and grandchildren will see us ascend. And it'll happen because of what you have done to bring this great object to the people of Mississippi to vote on. I'm so thrilled that you decided to take the flower of the magnolia tree, a tree that's been around 90 million years. And the thing about a tree is different than anything else. The oldest living organism on earth is the Missoula tree that has been growing for 5,000 years in the desert of California. 5,000 years from now, our flag will be growing and showing and blooming. And we'll send a message to all of America that we're open for business. We'll send a message that we live in the future and not in the past. That was a great philosopher and spiritual leader who lived 3,000 years ago. And he told his people, we grow trees over rice. And that's what we're doing. We're growing trees over rice. We're looking to
2: the future. Thank you. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio.
1: all righty folks welcome back horticulture's fellow russian and i appreciate y'all putting up with this because i've been working for so long so many people have been working for so long and i'm just real real pleased
2: to have this symbol uh to represent mississippi Um. Uh, I just wanted to say this felt real quick. It was kind of interesting what uh, Justice Ruben Anderson was saying as he was putting everything toward the future about what was happening now. Mm. And it reminds me of a a quote that I was uh, acquainted with. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know. They will never sit in. He said his lifetime, Mississippi was on the bottom. But he said in his kids' and grandkids' lifetime, we're moving forward. Yeah.
1: Well, and and again, I really appreciate y'all's forbearance on this because to me it is gardening because I love the magnolia. Everywhere I go, anywhere on earth, Japan, Africa, South America, Europe, Scotland, New York City, this is one of the most recognized trees on earth. And it only grows in the southeast United States, native to here. So every time people see this, um, they're going to be thinking about Mississippi. I appreciate that. So, okay, let's. Uh, be, be, we've got another caller uh, from Vicksburg. Uh, is it Raul? Ra- ra- ra-
7: Raul. It's Raul. It's Raul. Mm-hmm. Raul. 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 Yeah. Raul. Welcome, Raul. <laughs> I tell her I enjoy your program very much. Thank you. And your comments from time to time, even more hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I hope you. But I enjoy it. nevertheless.
1: You're okay. laughing with me. You're laughing with me, not at me, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, you
7: don't. You don't laugh at anybody. <laughs> you just laugh in general. So that is good. <laughs> you don't criticize anybody. But yeah. anyway, I, I I have you know a couple of questions. Both of them uh, are related to trees. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have two problems. One is I have tree roots going growing on the surface. Okay. Right. And especially on slopes. Right and uh, you know i don't know any way to do that other than cover them with a lot of dirt but i'm afraid that's going to change the grade you know yes. and uh, so but anyhow that's one problem the other problem i have is the tree roots uh, that trees that were either naturally there or planted uh, you know close to the buildings Right, like my home. So mm. what happens is those tree three roots have grown and trees have grown large, and the tree roots are butting against my concrete slab. Yeah, yeah. and I don't want them to tear up the slab and have the, to go through the sinking and all that stuff. Yeah. you know. So what can I do in that situation other oh. than cut the tree roots? Okay, again, causes uh, a problem. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, a couple of things, uh, r- real quick. And I've studied tree roots. Uh, I taught the course at Mississippi State uh, where they grow, how they grow, and all that. And in general. A good slab or properly made slab has a footing beneath it, and most of the time the tree roots don't don't go under it they'll grow along it because they can't breathe up under that roots got to get water and air so typically when they hit a good solid slab they go along it not under it now it's okay to cut some of those as long as you don't you know cut them if you cut them fairly close to the slab that'll just start them over again but but it takes a long long time so don't be afraid to cut them a foot or so out it's going to take a chainsaw though because they're big roots so in in general it's not as big a problem with some exceptions other thing is you could put a hose out there uh once once a month during the summertime just give it a good soaking because okay. it, that'll keep the roots from pulling uh soil away from your foundation so okay. in general now as far as the trees being having roots on the top uh, roots only grow where they get both air and water. And in our yeah. kind of soils, with our kind of heavy rains, they don't grow as deep as they would along a river, you know, a better drained soil. So they're going to stay shallow to begin with because they can't grow deeper. Yeah. Uh, the problem in you know, on the slope, you have erosion that washes away the topsoil. I mean, mm-hmm. all around Vicksburg, you see that in the woods. But the difference is in the woods, it's got leaves and stuff on the ground. You know, yeah. and that sort of protects it a little bit. Um, it's it's okay to cover them up a little bit, but it's just going to wash away because there's nothing no. to hold the dirt there. If you yeah. think about planting a ground cover, uh, monkey grass, mm-hmm. ivy, uh, something evergreen that, that that roots well and holds the soil, that's your best solution. In the long run is uh, either just just go with the flow and celebrate those roots as being part of the tree, which, which they do in a lot of botanic gardens, or else start planting some ground covers and then uh, let the, the let the leaves, tree leaves fall naturally and help improve the soil for the ground covers.
7: Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your okay. suggestions. Both of them are valid. you know. I, but I wouldn't go with my experience also you know, uh, corroborate those things. So thank you very much a lot. Raul, have a great day and a great show. Too.
1: Thank you, Raul. Yes. Appreciate Raul. it. Okay, let's slide up to Carth real quick and talk with Mike. What's up, Mike? Up in the icebox part of the state.
4: Hey, good morning. Howdy. Uh, I have around, I have a pretty large bed of Stella Dior daylilies. It's around 100 daylilies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually on top of my field line from my septic tank. Yeah. So I get plenty of moisture, but uh, uh, I've been mowing in between I'm just mowing the grass uh, this summer. As these go dormant uh, in the fall, is it okay to just mow over them until next spring?
1: Uh, you, you can, but, you know, the Stellar d'Oro, some day lilies are what we call evergreen. You know, some are deciduous, some are evergreen. And Stellar d'Oro, is, you know, I wouldn't cut them close. If you could do that, uh, I would use a string trimmer up high and leave some of the leaves to protect that little crown over the wintertime. And uh, and on top of that, if you cut it too close, you're get a, get, gonna get a bunch of weeds out there. But uh, to answer your question, you can you can cut them back to oh three or four inches tall, two or three, yeah, at least three or four inches tall, without hurting them at all.
4: Okay, great. Uh, you've you've asked my question.
1: All righty. Hey, uh, one other thing: plant you some daffodils in between them, so you have something to look at in, in the springtime.
4: Okay, I'll try that. Thank or, you. You.
1: you bet. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, we're going to take one one more uh, interview real quick and uh, come back with your phone calls. But we have a lady on the line that uh, I want to talk to. Uh, Her name is, is, uh, I'm just, uh, Sue Anna. I want to say Sue Ellen, but Sue Anna, Sue Anna Joe. Are you with us, Sue Anna? I'm here. Thank you for what you've done for our state flag. You did the magnolia that's in the center of what's going to be voted on their our new flower. Yes, that's right.
6: Why? Well, there were a few reasons why I picked the Magnolia. I had actually submitted my own slide design in the beginning, and it had that Magnolia. Yeah, and, and, um,
1: and but Rocky's uh, Magnolia, on Rocky, the final design, it was a stylistic thing. It was, wasn't, didn't look like a, I mean, it looked like a Magnolia, but yours is a real Magnolia.
6: Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, well, you know, there are a few reasons why I chose to make that the central symbol of my flag and you know i think the, the most obvious reason first of all is that it's the state flower and tree um and and besides that it it really does symbolize some important things uh it because it's been around for a 100 million years or so um it is a symbol for longevity and perseverance and i felt like that was very uh, uh relatable for mississippians because Some of the the most steadfast and determined people I know are from Mississippi, so that actually worked out really well in terms of the symbol.
1: Now, you're born and raised Um, in Greenwood. You're a Delta gal. That's right. But you live in San Francisco. How's that working out?
6: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been here for almost eight years, um, and it's been a really great experience. It's a lot of fun here. Um, I mean, there are some things about the area that are quite different from any kind of small town. Uh, and I, I miss some of those qualities of a small town. You're just having more community, and it's also easier to just drive around and park uh, yeah. compared to here. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it's been a great experience. I mean, I'll, I'll probably move back east at some point soon uh, as I get older. There are some things that I want to have in my life that I can't have here, so it's a consideration.
1: But when you were when you were growing up in Greenwood. Um you know, I think one of the things you said, you felt like you're part of a broken family because the flag didn't really represent your heritage, the old flag.
6: Right. Well, the, you, know, the, you know, the feelings that I got of being in a, a very divided community, that's kind of what I was referring to mostly. Uh, I, you know, I grew up around people both who wanted the flag to stick around and those who wanted to get rid of it. And there was just a lot of discord that I felt in my community. And it, it was really kind of sad just seeing people, you know, not wanting to talk or work together that much. And I'm not trying to say that everybody was like that, but I did get a sense of that growing up. And so, uh, but I knew that if if people were able to get over politics and just try to uh, talk things out and, and try to work together for progress, there was just so much that we could do together. Um, so it was, it was a sad experience growing up, but, you know, today I now I feel like we have a chance to come together.
1: Yeah and and you you're the you're the uh, the daughter of of immigrants and right. uh, and you know they had to uh, to do a lot of adjusting and you were you were raised in it and still felt like you had to adjust but anyway you submitted this and the the flag commission uh that you know they they love rocky design and all but your your flag your your magnolia clean lines it just really caught their attention so they lifted it and and combined it. Is that okay with you
6: Uh it is with me and it was something that I knew from the beginning uh, that they could do. I remember uh, Katie Blunt with the MDAH just stating that clearly in the first meeting that they can either submit their own designs or they can take elements from other people's flags and put them together.
1: Yeah you watched all this online you watched all these flag commission meetings.
6: I did I did.
1: It was interesting.
6: Mm -hmm. So yeah I've never been that involved in 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 a project of this kind of level for sure.
1: Well, you said you grew up with a magnolia tree in your backyard and when mm-hmm. you when you see this flag with the magnolia on it it's going to remind you of home.
6: Uh, it always does. So, you know, and that's another reason why I wanted to go with the magnolia. Um and, and not that the flag is about me particularly, but whenever I see a magnolia, I immediately think about Mississippi and I immediately think about home. And I feel that a lot of people would uh agree with me. Just because back home we see it everywhere, you know. Every,
1: and, in San they have magnolias in San Francisco. Uh,
6: we do. I'm not. I'm not sure of any southern magnolias here. There might be. No, there are, there, the, are, um, there
1: are there I, are. I, you know, I, okay. I've got pictures of them.
6: Well, that's great. I mean, it. I'm glad they have wide appeal because they are such uh, beautiful flowers, and the trees themselves are just so majestic. Uh, I think about the one on the courthouse
1: lawn there in uh, Greenwood. Yeah. Well, um, Sue Anna, welcome home. You, you brought home <laughs> to everybody, and I really appreciate that. Love, love your design. I'm wearing a T-shirt right now that's got your magnolia right in the center of my chest. <laughs> and I, I appreciate it. I, I think I'm the first person to wear it, and uh, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm proud as I can be. Thank you so much.
5: Thank
1: you, sir. All right, appreciate it, uh, folks. That was uh, Sue Anna Joe, Greenwood native, daughter of em- immigrants, uh, who is away from home right now, and she helped put something together that wherever I go in the world, whenever I see it, I'm gonna think of home. So anyway, I'm Horticulture fellow rushing. We're done talking about the flag for a little while. We can talk, and get back to gardening because that's what we do. But. You know, we got a real easy little tune coming up to sort of shift gears a little bit. We come back, we've got the lines wide open. So, why don't you give us a call? Toll free, 1 877 MPB Ring. And uh, when we come back from this little tune and a little break, then we're going to talk about gardening. Horticulture's Felda Rushing, me and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell and all the other folks here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting Welcome you to our garden party. And we'll be right back after this. Alrighty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulturist Fella Rushing. And by the way, I brought in two roses today from my garden that bloom from spring until fall. After fall, in after a frost, these two roses. Uh, one's an antique rose called Caldwell Pink. Caldwell. It was discovered in an old garden in Caldwell, Texas. Uh, it will not stop blooming. Probably the most prolific bloomer in the old cemetery downtown Jackson. Caldwell Pink is. It's, uh, it's real rich pink, little frilly things. And I also have one called Red Cascades, perfect little buds, deep red, tiny little thing. Neither one of these, even though they bloom nonstop, I've never seen disease on either one of them. They grow on their own roots. They grow in a cemetery. Dead people can grow these things. Caldwell Pink and Red Cascades, two incredible roses for the deep south and no care at all. Now, let's uh, slide up to to Columbus and talk with Dan. Hey, Dan, thanks for calling, man. What's up?
2: Uh, good morning. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thanks.
2: Good.
4: Wishing it would rain a little bit, I but I guess you can't help <laughs> yeah. me on that one.
1: No, I dragged a hose yesterday and I don't like I don't like I don't like dragging a hose.
2: Well my question is about a year, maybe a year and a half ago I called you about a plum tree I had that uh, would just would grow for a little bit and then it just kinda of stun itself out. Uh-huh. And uh, you recommended I cut it back to about two feet. Which I did, uh, this This spring, it it looked like it was going to grow good, and then it's starting to do the same thing again. So I guess I'm just wondering, should I give up on it, or should I cut it back, or just leave it alone?
1: Here, a couple of things. things. You, You bought this at a garden center? Uh yes. Okay, it was probably grafted, and there's a chance that you may have cut it below the graft, and it's just the the rootstock coming up uh, because they're, well they're usually grafted within oh six or eight inches of the ground. But also check and see if the trunk has ever been hit with a lawnmower or a string trimmer. If it if it got hit. Even one time it could stun it for life because it's, you know, they, they transport their food, their nutrients up and down the the trunk right under the bark. And if you cut that, that interrupts its ability to to water itself and to feed its roots. So, I mean, that's one of the most common things. Also, if it's an area that stays wet part of the year, really, really wet, then you end up with real shallow roots. And when it turns hot and dry, the roots aren't there to support the top growth. So those are the two most common things, trunk lower trunk Uh, Injury or root problems. And uh, one thing I could suggest is this this winter, uh, next spring when it sprouts back out, thin out the growth. You know, cut so there's only have two or three, maybe four branches on it. And that way there's less workload on the trunk of the roots and see if that doesn't help. In other words, just thin it out really good and see if that helps. Otherwise, I just start over with another one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll give it another year and we'll see what happens. (laughs)
1: Okay. Hey, if it doesn't work, you can always bob the branches off and stick wine bottles on the ends of them.
2: There you go. That'll
1: work. Okay. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. All right. Thank you. bye All All right. Let's slide over to Oxford. Oxford, Lafayette County. What's up, Henry?
5: Oh, I'm out here at the Mars Garden looking around. I do have a magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. you were talking about that magnolia flower. It is nice and white and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But people from around the world, mostly the Afro-American community, know the magnolia from something else. And I was listening to y'all talk about the flag, this map representing you know, Mississippi. But if y'all can get a chance, check out Billy Holiday.
1: Uh, let, let, okay, let, let me let me. I'm real familiar with that, and the reference of that is to the fragrance of magnolia in a song about a lynching that happened in Indiana. That that's the you know truth. I mean. You know I'm, I'm, I'm real familiar with it. The, the original poet from New York that the song was based on, but it talked about the scent of magnolia. But anyway, I appreciate you know uh, the effect it has on you. Um, but we also have to look at it overall as a native plant. It was here before the Choctaws were here, and um, and, and the flower represents a lot of stuff. Anyway, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I appreciate it.
4: You are already. Thank you so much.
1: You bet. Okay, thank you for your call. Anyway, that was a that's a, that's a valid concern. Everything has got something that bothers people, and we have to be sensitive to that. I Appreciate that. Uh, anyway, let's go to uh, let's talk to Laurie, caller from Indianola, my hometown. I'm from Indianola. I used to deliver the newspaper there, Laurie.
5: Yes, and I live right here on the banks of the Indian Bayou, and we have lots of magnolias. But what I would like you to comment on and advise people on pruning them. Well, Too many people prune them way up.
1: Yeah, you can't stick a branch back on, that's for sure.
5: So no, you don't know. the leaves fall inward, and that um, nurtures or feeds the
1: Magnolia. Well, it protects the roots. Magnolias grow uh, uh, in swampy soils. They grow in, They're native to every county of Mississippi across the southeast, uh, and the, the leaves do protect the roots, and they slowly feed. the it, protect it and they feed it over a long time. But the the main reason uh, to leave the limbs on the tree, if you can, is because a lot of people don't like the fact those leaves stay there a lot. They're coated with waxy uh, material, and they last right. a long time. And it looks kind of uh, unkempt to some people. So if you leave the limbs on the ground, it hides that. Leaf litter um, that's right
5: and and then when they prune them up then it bothers them so much they end up cutting the tree down yep
1: now there is one thing what they do in botanic gardens is they plant monkey grass monkey grass i'm I'm, I'm not talking about the little mondo grass but the real the regular monkey grass it's one of the few plants that will actually grow under magnolia and n- no dirt at okay. all and as the magnolia leaves fall on the monkey grass they turn sideways and they, they compost. Monkey grass okay. cleans up the leaf litter. All right. Thank that, you, Felder. Appreciate Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, another solution is to plant the variety called Little Jim. Little Jim magnolia is, uh, is not much bigger than a big camellia. And it's the longest blooming. I have a flower right here. It blooms from spring until after frost. Little Jim is a magnolia, perfect miniature magnolia. Uh, now let's go down to Biloxi, down the Gulf Coast, and talk with Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you?
4: Good, Father. How are y'all doing this
1: morning? So far, so good. What you got going on?
4: Uh, I am battling some uh, disagreeable soil down here, I'm about two blocks from the beach, and uh, <laughs> just, God, nothing, love it, seems to grow in it. I tested the soil recently, and it was depleted of all, you know, the nutrients, the NPK, so yeah. I'm killing like recommended amounts of that in right now. And yeah. my short time goal is to try to get the first eight feet from the from the street of my lawn with something in there that can thrive with minimal touching from me. Yeah. Uh and kind of create like a sloping elevation starting out low and then something maybe a foot high and then three yeah. feet high and then four feet high. And yeah. I'm thinking in the back like a fountain grass and in the front, something uh, low ground cover. Um, it's west-facing, gets sun from about 4 p.m. till, I don't know, maybe 7 or so. Yeah. So I guess uh, partial partial sun. Yeah. And uh, it seems to be like sandy or, or clay in there also. Yeah.
1: Let, let me throw out a couple of things. First, first of all, I'm real familiar with the soils on the coast. And, uh, and I also uh, I work a lot in Florida, and I actually wrote a book called Tough Plants for Florida Gardens. It has a chapter on things that grow on primary dunes and just nothing. Uh, but let me, let me back up a little bit. When you had your soil tested, they said you need a certain kind of nitrogen. That's based on agriculture stuff. I would not use the ammonium nitrate that they recommend at all. That's an agriculture, short-lived, fast, strong type of nitrogen. Your 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 plants need something long and slow and gentle that lasts a, you know lasts a long time, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of nitrogen sources besides ammonium nitrate. So I'm just throwing that out. And I got the, a urea
4: based one. Yeah,
1: but 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 again, these you know the 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 chemi- and and I'm not against chemicals at all. I, I use them, uh, but the 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 urea and the ammonium nitrate are still temporary fixes, and they leach away quickly in the rain in your kind of soil. So in the long run, um, you know, if you'll use something, believe it or not, I'm recommending this stuff called cottonseed meal, which is about 7% nitrogen. It lasts a long time, and equally important, it feeds, it provides nutrients, uh, protein for earthworms, which in turn will improve your soil. So okay. yeah, and, and, and I'm not doing that because it's organic, I'm doing it, because it works as long as slow. Uh, anyway, the the phosphorus and potash you're putting in there; those two things will last on the coast for at least a couple of years. You don't have to do this every year. You know the the potash a couple of years, phosphorus maybe three years. So, so you don't have to do that every year. If you do, add small amounts and just throw it on top of the ground. You don't have to, to till it in. Now, huh. as as far as plants will do well, if you'll drive uh, over to the pass, you know, if you'll drive over mm-hmm. to. Uh, uh, to, to Ocean Springs and look at the plants that are in people's gardens. You'll see some over and over and over that do well that close to the coast. Poor soils, weird rainfall, hot dry summers, salt spray sometimes. That you know, a lot of wind. You know, there's yeah. some really good plants. I can also send you a list uh, of some really good low-growing things. Uh, but you need to to, grow, to 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 have things that'll take a lot of rain in the winter time a lot of drought in the summertime, and poor dirt. And there's not a mm-hmm. whole lot of choices, but there's there's more than enough. Okay. And, uh, I, you know, I can't even begin to talk about it on the radio because but there's too okay. many. But here's one other thing, and this is probably one of the most crucial piece of advice. Whatever you plant, pull it out of the pot, loosen up its potting soil, loosen up its roots, mix its potting soil into your dirt, and spread the roots out. Don't just pull it out okay. of the pot and stick it in the ground. You want to get the roots... Used to your dirt with a little of his potting soil mixed in to sort of ease it into that transition, and the roots will continue outward. Don't just pull it out of the pot, and stick it in the ground. That is the first mistake people make. And, you know, and okay. al- almost anything will have a better. The toughest plant can't survive. You just pull it out of the pot, and stick it in the ground. So always loosen the roots in the potting soil. And then if you'll use a good, slow, long-lasting type of of mulch, I'm thinking bark. Bark lasts a long time. It'll protect your soil. And as it decomposes and breaks down uh, by bacteria and fungi and worms, it'll keep improving your soil. So once a year, just put you some fresh bark bark mulch out there, and that'll really improve your soil.
4: Okay. I appreciate it. There's
1: a lot of stuff. Shoot me an email. We can get more detail. All right. Appreciate it. All righty, man. Ooh, we've been all over the place. Well, let's go over to Mobile, Alabama and talk with Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Good morning. Hey, good morning.
3: Um, I couldn't resist calling because of uh, uh, something that I didn't do on purpose, but it's worked out very well. For grilling as a ground cover under magnolias and oak trees and in full sun and just about anywhere in fact i have to um pull it back and have found other creative things to do with it
1: i want to i, well, w- I want to marry this whatever it is it sounds too good to be true
3: well you're not going to believe it because i think i told you about it years ago and you sounded pretty skeptical then but i can uh, you know i can show you what, <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, what is it
1: what is it what is it
3: it's called, it's sold as a house plant called a spider plant or an airplane
1: plant. Yeah, on the coast. You're right. You're right. Yeah,
3: well, and I mean, well, it, I bought mine in Washington, D.C. originally when but, I was there. Yeah.
1: No, it'll grow outside on the coast, not in Washington, D.C.
3: Right. Exactly. Because I set my house plant out under one of the trees, and it's just taken over now. Of course, it's been quite a while. But uh, I've also transplanted it. it. It works great as an alternative, and along with both types of monkey grass.
1: You know, you're right, and there and there's several other plants that do well too. You know, there's a little the, 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 on the coast, and even up in the central Alabama and central Mississippi, uh, there's a there, there's a, a ground cover that's called I'm huh, trying to total blank. It's anything ind, indigo. Asian, indiga. asian <laughs>
3: jasmine. No, no, in,
1: it's called indigo. Indigofera, indigo plant, is a good little ground cover. You know, it'll get a little bit taller than than that, but indigo indigo grows great all the way up into the central part of Alabama and Mississippi as a ground cover, and uh, and it'll grow in poor soil around compacted roots. But the airplane plant, that's a good little thing to throw out. One other thing you can grow on the coast we can't grow further north, um, you know, you can't grow hostas down on the coast. They just won't survive the the, the hot summer nights. But there's a plant that's called peacock ginger that is a a lot of times grown as a potted plant, but it's a terrific ground cover along the Gulf Coast. Peacock ginger blooms, it's sort of like a coastal version of hosta.
3: I just started experimenting with ginger, and it's blooming now. And it smells. Does this stuff smell like the ginger smells?
1: No, no. no. This is it's called peacock ginger. If you right. Google okay. it, it's, got, it's mostly uh, it's got got pretty little flowers, but they're, not, they're they're not very tall. But this is a sort of like a a hosta type plant, little low growing clump forming thing with beautiful leaves. Okay, but, now
3: you're talking to a lazy gardener here. I don't like to rake. I don't like to mow. Okay, so, you know, i just uh, so it'll, it, this will work. With, with those
1: that kind of philosophy right yep yep you know I've, I've written a whole series of books called tough plants tough plant for southern Gardens tough plants for Florida Gardens tough plants for California Gardens and it's the kind of plant that you put out there and horticulture don't like them because they're boring because they're they don't, they don't <laughs> need anything but uh
3: Call tough gardeners. <laughs> yep,
1: yep. But anyway, the it's a real good idea to to put some of the even if you live further north and, and use the airplane plant or spider plant. Is even as a seasonal plant. It's pretty and it's bright and it shines in the shade. And you
3: can bring it inside if you want to. Yep. That's and right. you can use the skates and make them to cut flowers. They're beautiful. I started staking them up because I have so many, and I, I felt bad about just pulling them out, you know. It's like because I didn't want it to spread in some areas. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it, it Make a yeah.
1: beautiful you're, star, you're, you know. You're starting, to, you're starting to bounce while you talk. Uh-oh. Calm sorry. down. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> anyway, it's
3: I'm, a, I'm pacing. I can't help
1: it. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a great suggestion, Mikey. I really appreciate it, too. Thank you so much. Alrighty, folks. Uh, towards the end of the program, uh, we did spend a little time talking about Magnolia. Would would like to mention that that uh, my opinions are not necessarily those of MPB, but there's not much I talk about that don't run by Java first, right, Java?
2: I'm sorry. We're back here uh, having a good time. Michelle's getting ready for her Mississippi Education Connection yeah. show. What'd you say, Felder?
1: I, I say uh, my opinions aren't necessarily MPB opinion, but I usually talk about it with you ahead of time, so we're okay.
2: Yeah, no, we're okay, man, but um, this is a historic time. We should all, um at least at the base bottom, acknowledge it because, yep. you know, it's a long time coming.
1: Okay, can I say one last thing about the flag?
2: Yeah, go you brought a magnolia in, I brought an uh, actual magnolia. I brought
1: an actual magnolia. Actually, I picked it out off the tree out in front of MPB, and I also brought uh, uh, the first ever little reproduction of this new flag thing. If I put them on the table by MPB thing, will you post it on our blog?
2: Yeah, I'll post it. Yes, sir. All righty. I need to take that picture with you in your shirt, because you are <laughs> like first. fresh off the press, one of one. None before it. There's going to be plenty to come. A bunch <laughs> of us been working a long
1: time. A bunch of a long time. Anyway, folks, I talked about a couple of roses Caldwell Pink, um, one called Red Cascades. I talked about monkey grass, which has spikes of. Lavender flowers, wonderful cut flowers off of monkey grass, which I use in clumps here and there, just regular perennials. Uh, and I've got this magnolia. Got my mask on, about to put it on so I can can slide past Michelle when she gets ready for her program. But, uh, folks, uh, as usual here at MPB, we appreciate all the participants. We appreciate your input. Um, if you have any questions or concerns, you can email us, garden at mpbonline.com. Dot org. Um, we're going to be back to talking about just gardening next week, all gardening. But meanwhile, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get ready to plant some broccoli, some cabbage, maybe going to wait a little bit le- uh, on the lettuce and stuff like No, I'm going to start some lettuce in some pots. Colorful lettuce is mixed up the seeds, put it in pots because it's something that's pretty to look at. I'm going to get tired of looking at it. I can eat it. Lettuce is easy to grow right now. Anyway, horticulture's fell to Rushing here. Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, all the folks here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we appreciate you tuning in. If you get a chance this weekend, hot and muggy as this, find a farmer's market, take a kid with you, help them pick out some vegetables to cook, and then send them outside and teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.